Father, we uh, once again thank you for being with us, Lord, and thank you, Lord, for this day. And Lord, as churches around the world are remembering Palm Sunday, and Lord, help us to really see how significant this Sunday is. It just vaults us into so many, so many prophecies, Lord, and and it's just the beginning of the reminder of the greatest event that's going to take place next Sunday, your resurrection. And Lord, we praise you for that. I pray, Lord, that as we journey through this Holy Week, Lord, as we, as we pray and fast on Friday and come to remember uh, the events of of this next weekend, Lord. That your Holy Spirit will touch us, Lord, and give us a clear understanding of just what it means to journey with you on this Palm Sunday to the cross and then your resurrection. I pray, Lord, that my words will be your words today, that you anoint me to preach this message for your glory. And I pray, Lord, that hearts will be open to receive all that you have for us this day. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I'm just going to throw this out. Some of you know, uh, whatever. And so if you follow the colors of the Christian calendar, what day would this be? What color would it be? Purple. Very good. <laughs> Very good. And, uh, you know, it is, it is significant. The colors, people say, oh, why? I mean, we don't really follow the colors. Many uh, ev- evangelical churches don't. But there's a lot of meaning and symbolism into these uh, Christian colors and what have you, that re, they're, rem, say they're reminders of, of this day in particular, of, of purple being a, the color of royalty. So they're reminders that the, the king of kings uh, marched into, not marched, he, he rode on a donkey into Jerusalem, and just how important that is and how true uh, that biblical story is. So we see what God has in mind as we as we uh, share once again this, this familiar story that we've heard every year. And, uh, but we're going to be sharing from the gospel, Matthew's gospel. And he gives a little bit of a different twist than the other gospels do. For example, with, with Matthew, as we look at it, he talks about a donkey and a colt, wherein the others don't necessarily talk about that because... Matthew was more interested in, in according to theologians, he was interested in, uh, in conveying the prophecy of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey based on Zechariah 9.9. So his emphasis was on the prophecy at that point. So just a little side thing, um, you know, no extra cost on that one. But, but it does kind of put things in perspective a little bit, doesn't it? Because when you look at the different 
different stories. They, why, why, did, why did one mention this and one left that one out? But the whole story's there, but the emphasis was on, on different kinds of, kinds of things. As we all know, that Ukraine is under crisis by Russian forces. Sadly, we're reminded that death, destruction, brutality, genocide, and heartless dictators are all characteristics of war. In the Old Testament, we read about mighty nations that have been on the top, that have fallen from Egypt to Assyria to Babylon. You read in Jeremiah again what Jeremiah went through. When uh, you look at Medo-Persia, and then when Jesus came riding in to, to Jerusalem on that donkey, Rome was conquering one territory after another. That's where Jerusalem was in turmoil, and the people because of the Romans. And when you look at the, all four Gospels, they all, well, well, you find a very significant aspect of the Palm Sunday story. It kicks off what? Passover. And we're going to be looking at this, and it's amazing God's timing because Palm Sunday was significant in that Jesus pronounced publicly his royalty. He's the Messiah. He's the king and king has come. And he picked when? He picked Passover. When all the people would be coming into Jerusalem to celebrate that time. So I'm going to first look at uh, Matthew, and we're going to be looking at Matthew 21, verses 1 through 7. And my first thought is the grand entry. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Again, with, with, uh, with Matthew, it's Zechariah 9.9. 9. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Jesus, so Jesus sent two disciples into the city to find the donkey and the colt and bring them to him. This fulfilled that ancient prophecy from Zechariah 9.9. They brought them back to Jesus. But notice Jesus did not enter Jerusalem on a white charger horse symbolizing power. No, instead, he comes on a lowly donkey's colt symbolizing, really, royalty, peace, and humility. And this was, was the real struggle that they had back in those days because Jesus announced who he was, but they didn't understand what kind of king of kings that he would be and what he would what he would bring. Now we come to number two. We have four, four thoughts this morning. That's the big surprise. Verses 8 through 11. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches, palms, from, from the trees and spread them on the road. 
Some would wave them. Most of them would put them, spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? We're going we're to come back to this. Why did they ask, Who is this? This is so interesting to me. And the crowds answered this. Now listen. They said, Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 200 years before Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, the Jewish people had a tradition. And they would take palm branches and they'd either wave them because it was a sign of their independence. And they would wave them when they felt that they were being oppressed by their enemies, in particular the Romans, and it was their way of saying that we shall be free someday. The crowd shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, in Matthew, that's in reference to praise. If you look at Luke and others, it means Jesus says, but Matthew used it a little bit differently. It's, it, was, it, was a, it was Hosanna of praise. By placing their cloaks and the palm branches before Jesus, they were making, and what was happening was it was a public statement that Jesus Christ was royalty, that Jesus Christ was the king of kings that has come. But in the next few days, these same people would reject him. The big surprise was this. Jesus did not set them free in the way that they had expected. He came as what? The Prince of Peace. He didn't come, you know, as the strong-armed revolutionary with a political agenda, but he came in peace. You know, they were waiting for him to come and free them as a nation. Now, we know that story, don't we? We know it. They didn't know that at the time. Who is this? Who is this? The crowd, the town was buzzing because of the Passover, where people would come from all over the region to, into Jerusalem to celebrate their liberation from Egyptian bondage. What a time, therefore, what a time, a festive occasion for the presentation of the king. God doesn't make mistakes. That was his timing. He wanted everything there that when Jesus came in, that announcement, nobody could deny it, but they did, didn't they? Okay. So. This is a part that's very meaningful for me because it really kind of starts putting things in perspective for Palm Sunday. And that's the impact of Palm Sunday. We're looking at, we're going to shift, we're going to look at First Peter. We know the story, and you can have it memorized So about Palm Sunday. Now let's get on to the significance of it and the impact that's had throughout, throughout the world in history. From First Peter 1, 10 through 11. Concerning this salvation referring to the Christ. The prophets who spoke of the grace that has come to you searched intently 
and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them, referring to the Holy Spirit, was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Our world seems to be in a state of hyperventilation. We are in turmoil. I can't, in my lifetime, I can't remember our world in such a, such a mess as well right now. In every walk of life, you just name it, you can just, and you can just add to it. Young people are concerned. You realize that 70% of people that have been polled recently are concerned of a nuclear exchange with Russia. So you throw that on the pandemic, you throw that on the economy, you throw that on inflation, inflation, you throw that on the border, everything. I'm not being political here, but it's out in front of us. We can't deny its impact on our lives. Not to mention suicides are, are just out of control you know, in the lives of young people. More young people are committing suicide than ever before. We are a hot mess. We are in turmoil. And God seems to be moving farther and farther away from people. Read Jeremiah. Jeremiah warned about this. He said, you abandon God and he will abandon you. God is in control. And this is not a, a fine brimstone in that sense. It's a fact. It's a biblical fact that when nations and people, they ignore God, Bad things happen if they don't repent and turn to him. Can you tell me, in, in, honestly, can you say that in our world at large that God is really at the center? Churches are decaying, are collapsing right before our eyes. Church is not, is not the same as it was years ago. People aren't coming to church. They're staying home. They're doing this. They're doing that. Where's God? When you need him most, where is God? So, sounds a little bit nasty, doesn't it? See, Pastor Dunn, you got a frown on your face. In the Old Testament, the prophets kept prophesying, prophesying and waiting for the first coming of Christ, the Messiah. And he came indeed. Let's look at some of the predictions in Isaiah 7, 14, he would be what? Born of a virgin. In Isaiah 9, 7, they, he would come, Jesus would come from David's family line. In Isaiah 53, 3, that Jesus would be rejected and would suffer. Isaiah 53, 5, that he would be beaten for our transgressions. And it keeps going on and on and on. Psalm twenty two sixteen that Jesus' hands and feet would be pierced. Going on to verse 18, that they would cast lots for his garments. Remember we talked about Jesus' cloak? You know why the, Roman why the Roman soldiers wanted that? For protection. You know? And then we just continue in, in what, Psalm 40, 49.1. Jesus was betrayed by a friend. We all know who that friend was. Micah 5.2. Jesus, he would be born in Bethlehem. Then we can finish up with Zechariah, you know, 9.9, 9, 
We talked about that in, in the Matthew passage, that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. And then in Zechariah 11, 12, and 13, that he would be betrayed by 30 pieces of silver. Not 29, not 28, but 30. And how would that silver be used to buy a potter's field? All of these predictions and many more were, were fulfilled, what, hundreds of years after they were written. Stop and think about that. All according to God's appointed time. So I love it. If I'm, it, it's difficult to debate people about, about uh, the reality of God is real or whatever. But if you really want to know and study from a cognitive understanding, you cannot deny these prophecies. And they came to pass. I just mentioned ten of them. And there's more. This actually happened. This was real-time stuff that we're dealing with and we're, we're, we're talking about. So... You really can't make it up. Uh, how, do we, how are we to respond? This is, can be a little bit, for us, it, it can be very firming, it can be very disquieting for some people. But we want to look at Matthew 16, 13 through 17. Matthew 16, 13 through 17. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some said John the Baptist, others said Elijah, and so others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And this is my, my fourth thought. How do we, how are we to respond? Jesus asked two questions. In verse 13, he said, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And then in verse 15, he said to his disciples, now I'm turning this on you. Who do you say I am? Well, initially, if you look at it, you know, first of all, he asked about the people. And how did the disciples respond to that? They said, well, you know, some say that you're John the Baptist, you're a, you know, a great preacher. Others say that you're Elijah, a great prophet, we all know that. And others say, well, you're Jeremiah or some other prophet. Then Jesus turned to them. He said, now, who do you say that I am? And he's asking us that same question today, some 2,000 years later. Who do you say that I am? Who am I? Why are you here? 
Why are you celebrating Palm Sunday? Why are you celebrating me as your King of kings and Lord of lords? Do you understand this? Do you understand this? Being a follower of God is not easy. Ask Jeremiah. Wouldn't it be a great question to ask Jeremiah? Well, Jeremiah, how did you feel about 40 years of prophesying and how the people treated you? His was not a happy ministry. Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and proclaiming, announcing, he's the king, king. The king has come. And remember what Peter said. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now go back. Now go back with me to that Palm Sunday in verse 10. Remember, the crowd was stirring and they were moving about. And Jesus was coming in on this donkey, and they had the cloak, they had the palm branches going, and they're praising God, singing hallelujah. You know, the king is here, king is here, and praising him and praising him. And part of the crowd said, who is this? Who is this? Who is this man that you are praising? This is crazy. You're going crazy over this man riding on a donkey. Who is he? What makes him so special to you? How did they respond? Well, Jesus, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. That was a clue was, come, was going to happen. Notice they didn't call him king. They didn't call him, as in Scripture, the son of David. They call him a prophet. A prophet. And I say, when I look at that, I say, they modestly answered, this is a prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Peter got it right. Peter got it right. He said, you are the Messiah, or you are the Christ, Son of the living God. Palm Sunday is about getting it right. About getting it right. Those same people that praised him on Palm Sunday denied him and rejected him a few days later. That is superficial faith. Now, we have the whole story. They didn't have it. We haven't. Some people say, oh, shame on them. Why wouldn't they? Why would they deny? We would have done the same thing. You know, let's not pat ourselves on the back and think we're so great. We would have done the same thing. We would have denied him. But we know the story. We know how it ends. Jesus never, ever, 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 ever said that believing in him would be nothing but sunshine and lollipops. He never, ever said that. And for those of us who have followed him through the years, we know that to be true.
But here's the difference. The difference is, in spite of what we go through and all the things that we've had happen in our lives, we hung in there with Christ. He remembers that. That's when faith really grows. Hey, I'm sorry, but life is not always sunshine and lollipops. You go through the hard times. And it's true. I'm not saying it's wonderful when we have blessings and and our lives are going well, our family's going well. Praise God. Thank Jesus for that. But you also know that somewhere along the line, something's going to happen in our lives. Where will we will well where will we be there? Can't get that out. That's when faith really grows. I really believe that. Two thousand years ago, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey, and it really happened. People cheered. They shouted. They were hysterical, with all sorts of possibilities what can happen. And they felt Jesus let them down. You're not the Messiah that we wanted. We had another understanding of this Messiah, but you come in peace, and you come on a donkey. For Pete's sake, why not a big stallion horse? Why not surrounded by angels or whatever and just destroy all of our, the Romans, all of our enemies? You let us down, Lord. You let us down. Think about that. If we were back two thousand years ago, we'd probably be echoing the same thing. My goodness, he healed all these people. He did all these wonderful things, and he let us down. Now he's going to be arrested. Now look at that. He's been humiliated. You let us down. You let us down. Quite the contrary. God is so awesome and so smart. He knew. He just knew what we need. He knows it. Can you imagine this? I'm just wandering. Jeanette, that's what I do. If God would answer every one of our prayers exactly the way He would, according to our desires, what would that do to faith? There wouldn't be faith. We cannot treat God like a slot machine and hoping this ought to come up in the same color and get all this money. Do you believe? That no matter what you're going through, that that God's in it with you. He is in it. He's in this. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey, and you know God's desire. I believe God's desire is for His children, for us. To be open and understand and respond to the truth of His deity, His death and resurrection. God knows that every person that comes who claims Jesus as Lord and Savior, God knows 
that not all those people are sincere. I'm not going to look into your heart. You know your God knows your heart. I'm not, that's not what I'm about. But I'm not naive. I've known through the years people that say they love the Lord and I've prayed with them or whatever, and they went the other way. I've seen that time and time and time again. God does not want our superficial faith. Palm Sunday is not about that. It's about riding in with Jesus, being at his feet, and wiping away his tears as they beat him for no reason but for hatred and loving him, loving him, loving him and saying, thank you, God, you did this for me. I'm a rotten person. I sin, but you did this for me because you love me. That's the perfect plan. And for us to respond to that love, you have to feel his love. Let it come out in you. You know, remember, I remember back in the day, I didn't want to show my emotions for, for God. I felt embarrassed. You kidding me? I said, but think about it. He died on the cross for me. He, he cried for me. Can I not cry for him? Can I not do that? I hope and pray that we don't do a Monday, Thursday when we when Jesus gathered with his with his disciples. Um, but we're going to do communion on a Friday as we come for a fast and fiesta. This week, I hope and pray that all of us here will take time to reflect and think about the events of Palm Sunday and of Holy Week. This is dead serious because Jesus died for us on that cross. This was not a game to God. This was the finality of resurrection and redemption in Jesus. God loves you so, so much, loves me, that he lowered himself to ride on a donkey. Can you imagine that? It wasn't a, you know, a million dollar car or the fastest horse in the, in the area. I'm pretty much done, but I don't want to be done. I don't want to be done. Because this day is so important in my life, in my walk with my Lord. I love him so much, and yet I let him down. And yet he still loves me. Same with you. You know, same with you. How often do we let him down? And yet he says, Jason, I love you. 
I love you, man. Nicole, I love you. Mike, all of us. Don't let guilt or your lack of accepting forgiveness drag you down. No matter what you've done, no matter what we do in our lives, if we confess our sins, Jesus forgives us because he has the right. He paid the greatest price. Lord God, I praise you and thank you so much for who you are, for your love. And I thank you, Lord, that that you love us so much, that your plan is so perfect. Lord, sometimes it's so hard to put into words what you've done for us on that cross. Help us, Lord, as we remember Palm Sunday, Lord, that our praises of Hosanna will be true from our hearts because we know the rest of the story. May we garner strength from this story. May we be witnesses for you in proclaiming Jesus Christ and the sacrifices he made for us on that cross. For those, Lord, here today that are so struggling with the truths of Palm Sunday, Lord, I pray that you'll manifest yourselves in them in a, in a profound way today. We love you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name.